Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of CMO Moves. Today, I am here with Carl Laredo. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at the Wendy's Company. Hello, Carl. How are you doing? So great to be with you today. Yeah, I'm doing great. It's so good to, to meet you. I know we, we met via email a few months back when you joined us for the mentor program this year, and I knew that I wanted to have you on the show and, and get to know you a little better. So thank you so much for making the time to be here. No, absolutely. Glad to be here. The mentor program has been unbelievable and had a chance to, to listen to a number of the podcasts. So appreciative of you all um, asking me to join and, and look forward to the discussion as well. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'd love to start by getting to know you a little bit, Carl. So, so tell us, where are you based? What are some things you like to do? What's your family like? Why don't we start there? Perfect. Well, again, my name is Carl Laredo. I'm married to wonderful wife, Kelly. We've actually been married for 20 years, believe it or not, which I guess install the, the gray hair that I have in my head now. I'm, I'm getting up there in age. <laughs> I've got a couple of kids. Uh, my twins, Ainsley and Gage, are in eighth grade. And uh, we all live here in Columbus, Ohio, which is the headquarters of the Wendy's company. 
Dave Thomas actually got it going um, here 51 years ago, which is hard to believe that the brand has been here that long, but I'm certainly excited to have joined the Columbus community six years ago. I'm a Texas born and bred. They say you can take someone out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of them. So admittedly still roll up to our parking lot every day in a half ton pickup truck. And that's the Carl Laredo that you should know. But Anyway, excited to be here at Wendy's. Started out my my career and and ultimately all of my education at the University of Texas. I have an MBA there, um, but also a slightly different turn than I know a number of the folks that have been on your your podcast and that I have a BA in fine arts. So an interesting background as you think through the world of how one gets into the overall world of marketing and ultimately becoming a chief marketing officer like I am here at Wendy's. Carl, you mentioned you have you have twins. I actually just had twins myself. So are they identical or fraternal? A boy and a girl, so they're fraternal. And if you just had twins, let me tell you, I've got all the empathy in the world for you. I vividly remember uh, my twins didn't actually both sleep through the night for the first nine months of their life. One would make it, the other one wouldn't. They were born really early. I remember that happened. Then we were like, all right, we've made it through the hump. And the reality was that they went off and on for, I don't know, years. So it is what it is. But Great joy of my life, as they say, if you expect the same life from when you have your kids to the one that you'll have after, um, that's certainly different, but unbelievable <laughs> the experience they can bring in. Candidly, they keep me young and, and they certainly help me with what all the kids are up to these days to make sure that we're finding the right way to engage. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Mine are five months old. So I'm just in the thick. Yeah. If it's not one, it's the other waking up. So Carl, let's talk about you. You mentioned you um, joined Wendy's six years ago, you said? Yeah, it's been six years. Hard to believe. Quite the ride. I came in to ultimately run brand strategy and product development and was a vice president at the time. And it's just been a, a great ride as I kind of think back on how my career has grown and evolved, ended up pe- picking up all of our social, which uh, many know Wendy's for, and all of the different investments that we make there. And then about two years ago, was asked to become the chief marketing officer. And it's hard to believe that most of that time has been in the midst of COVID and all the challenges that have been out. So I feel like I've grown about 10 years in my uh, CMO experience and education throughout that time. But it's been a great ride. And then also have responsibility for all of our consumer facing digital. So outside of the world of social and Twitter and all the components that folks know us for, we got our app out about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And so being able to be out there with our rewards program and all the ways that we engage in the digital aspects, I have responsibility for those pieces too. So when you joined six years ago in that role, did you think CMO was next for you? <laughs> That's a great question. I've always had aspirations of being chief marketing officer and was the chief marketing officer at CraftMade eight years before I joined Wendy. So had experience in that seat previously with a, a company that was publicly traded on NASDAQ, but much more of a B2B aspect where we were building out the B2C component, actually built the online business that um, CraftMade now has there. But to be able to come into Wendy's, it's you know, such a revered brand, the history it has, the fact that Dave started this brand to really be the antithesis of what McDonald's is, right? To do everything the right way, fresh beef in everything we do, cooking our bacon in our restaurants every day, and just the way that it was always about doing the right thing. And so to be able to come into a brand that not only has the stature, the food that we have, I've got a lot of personal history with the Wendy's brand, my mom and I 
uh, spent a lot of time together in Wendy's as we were, were kids. That was our Friday night, every Friday, to have that big bacon classic, some fries and a Frosty. My mom had the salad bar. But it, it's just interesting to have come into that role with always the aspiration of being the chief marketing officer. And you come in, post up good results, show that you can be a, a great leader and ultimately drive the strategy, but also build the followership and good things can come. I wouldn't say I walked in with the expectation. I walked in with the aspiration of becoming the chief marketing officer and proud and honored to be able to have this role here at Wendy's now. Yeah, that's amazing. And you've seen the brand grow in a lot of different ways. If you had to pick one thing that has been leading to Wendy's success um, beyond breakfast, what would you say Mm. that is? That's a great question. We definitely got to talk about breakfast. That certainly has been a big driver of our success. Um, But if if you make me set that aside, it's about clarity of who we are. And we have the core values that Dave said are right outside my office on the stairs as you walk up. And it starts with the quality of food and treating people with respect and doing things the right way. And so that at the heart of who Wendy's is, and then the clarity of our brand positioning and knowing what we're all about. And that has led to the success we've seen, whether it be in breakfast, but go back to early on in COVID. We were probably making a hundred decisions a week with regard to changes we had to make, differences on the menu. How are we going to engage with the crew? What are the things that we're going to get out there and do? And knowing who we were was the difference maker for us. I took out an ad in the New York Times to say, hey, where's the beef, right? That was the headline because we knew we were going to run out of fresh beef in some of our restaurants. And there was never a question within Wendy's as to whether we would move to frozen beef because fresh beef simply tastes better. It makes hotter and juicier hamburgers. So we would rather not serve a hamburger than serve something that we believe to be and know to be subpar. We know who we are. We're all about the team. And that goes all the way to the crew level. And this is a team together kind of place. And so Regardless of the highs and some of the lows that we've had to work our way through over the course of the last couple of years, that's kept us focused. That's been our North Star. And I think that's what's led to, you know, the great results that we've seen despite the challenges of the the pandemic and what we're seeing as we, you know, potentially come to a little bit of loosening of some of that as well. And obviously Wendy's just has built a reputation of knowing who you are to your point and listening to consumers. Has it been difficult or what was that process to sell that inside? I feel like oftentimes we hear the marketing team knows who the brand is, the consumers know, but then they have to sell it inside to get that buy-in. How has that been for you in your you know, six years there? Oh, that, that's interesting. Look, um, one of the key aspects of marketing is the cross-functional collaboration because you have the world's best ideas, but if you can't execute it, whether it be one of our 5,700 restaurants at Wendy's or going back to my experience, the likes of Frito-Lay and PepsiCo with trying to get a product on the shelf at Walmart as an example. It's got to work from inception all the way to execution. Those things matter so much. And so as we really refined our overall brand positioning and got to a world of the shorthand of it, of we've got your back. To hear our operations team talk that way, to hear in a conversation as we engage together as a U.S. leadership team or my marketing leadership team, you know, we've got your back is something that goes both ways. And it means that as a marketing team, we're thinking about the best ideas to have the backs of our consumers all the way down to thinking about having the backs of the crew that's engaging with those folks each and every day. And so whether that be simplicity in the restaurant or making sure our digital tools work the right way or 
having a digital order come into the restaurant and have the crew be like, yes, this is the easiest type because we know the order is going to be right and it's going to flow right through to what we need to, to deliver against. That's what's been crucial. And so to me, while there's been success outside, what matters most is what's going on inside, because if you can get that part, you're going to deliver a great experience to the consumer as well. And that's what ultimately all this is in service of, is making sure that we know what's up with the consumer, what challenges they have in their life, their day, and how we can help resolve many of those. That's that's what marketers do. Yeah. That's ultimately the definition of marketing. So Absolutely. Yeah. Marketing is that um, connection point for the rest of the organization to know uh, yep. what's going on with the consumer. I want to talk about a lot of the work you and your team are, are focused on, what's going on for the brand right now that you're really excited about. But before that, I want to go back and just ask you about your path to CMO and your path to Wendy's. You were sure. a CMO prior for a brand that was mostly B2B. You were starting to build out the B2C side. Take me back before that. Was there any critical point in your career where you said, this is the type of brand I want to work for? Or have you just taken opportunities as they've presented themselves? Oh, that's an interesting question. Working my way through graduate school, you know, I found uh, consumer packaged goods and Really what I loved about it, certainly the marketing piece, the BII I have in fine arts, I have a passion for storytelling. And also just, if you think about the conflict that comes in story and finding ways to engage with consumers, it's interesting. You may say, wow, this you know, theater guy, how could that possibly tie back to the business world? But I think it's everything about the business world. It's about how do you figure out the story, drive the engagement, figure out the conflict, where are the ways that you can get lean in moments? It's what we do every day. But the other piece that I would point to it is, the show must go on. And that means you got a launch date and you've got to pull together a team of folks to figure out the best way to tell that story, how it's going to show up on a stage. How are you going to light it? What is the sound going to be like? All those components coming together. And I think that was really the beginning of me and building out sort of the capability around the cross-functional nature of what we do in the world of marketing. But ultimately the storytelling to make sure that folks know, A, we heard what your problem was and B, we got a solution for it. It just snowballed into this career and ended up at Frito-Lay and PepsiCo and ran the gamut there from running the Tostitos Innovation Pipeline to our partnership with the NFL and ultimately a big role within the Doritos brand. But I think the, the biggest eye-opener for me in the world of marketing, consumer, was probably the work I did on Tostitos Multigrain. And I remember working on that project back then and flipping through, trying to find some insight related to where we were going to go with the Tostitos brand. And specifically unlock this idea that moms felt like their families needed more multigrain and families thought multigrain sounds awful. And boy, I tell you what, we quickly figured out, like we have the capability to make multigrain taste great. And it was a challenge up and down the line with the ops team, engineering, figuring out ways to go build that product. But through the partnership with a whole bunch of folks, we found a way to get that thing through. And I think it's probably still the folks from PepsiCo could tell us the real numbers or maybe not, but I think it's still a half a billion dollar business within that overall lineup, not insignificant at all. I just found my way through that CPG environment and really liked it, made the move over to CraftMade. And it was a, a much smaller organization, but a lot broader perspective. And I spent a ton of time in Asia, had the experience of working with 30 manufacturing facilities over there and really understand US consumerism. And then ended up at an agency. And, and a big part of that was the agency was always a big black box for which we threw a creative brief in and hopefully with a lot of great engagement with the agency, good work came out the other side. And so to be able to go in and, you know, work through the shopper marketing side of a, a big new piece of business that the marketing arm had brought on, 
but also to drive. I ended up running our multicultural practice there and a variety of other things. So I think the breadth of experience across the board, honestly, was a big part of you know, why my career has ultimately landed where it is today. I'm absolutely fascinated by your background. I think you have such a variety of things that you obviously are bringing to um, this very consumer-focused brand. So would you say you were more purposeful with your career or your career Uh, path, or were you more kind of opportunistic, I guess? Because we get that question a lot from our mentees. Do I need to be more intentional with my next move, or do I need to be open-minded to something I never considered? Yeah, look, everybody's got to have a plan. And I do think it's important to, if I think about a a young marketer in their career, the first things first, what gets you excited? And we all spend a lot of waking hours doing what we do every day. I'm sure in the world you live in and certainly in what we do each and every day. And so you better make sure that you're being true to yourself and say, look, this is something that I can be passionate about. And that doesn't mean you aren't going to work on a brand maybe that it may not even be for you and that's okay, but can you get passionate and empathetic to the consumer? I think that matters a ton just to start. But then also to say, what are the different experiences that you feel like would help you round it out? As I think through my role at PepsiCo, it was first innovation, then it was about partnerships with the NFL, and then it was more brand focused. Those things rounded out where I wanted to go in terms of my next role. Specifically, Did I choose the path to say Wendy's was going to be it? I always had a ton of passion for the brand. There are probably a list of 10 brands that I look at and say, wow, those are ones that I would have aspired to work on. And Wendy's was absolutely one of them. It's a challenger with charm. It was in that, at that time, it was number three in the overall hamburger space. We're now number two, by the way. And I love that. I love the idea of being able to jump into something that isn't at the top. And I made a career for myself of finding ways to grow the underdog or jump in where there's opportunity. And, and candidly, I think it's more fun and there's nowhere to go at the top, but down. And, and ultimately that's an interesting component, but yeah, I'd say looking to CPG was interesting to me strategically because it was from end to end, we get to own it. And in the world of CPG, you can certainly find a way to build a great product and work with the likes of a Walmart or a Tom Thumb or Kroger or whomever to be able to deliver against it. What I love about Wendy's is it says it on the door when you walk into our building. And so from the 250,000 employees that are out there every day, busting it to make sure you get a great experience when you walk in the door, the food we serve and the advertising, that all comes together and there's no excuses. It's all about making sure that you deliver a great experience. And so that's where I would say I was pretty laser focused on getting to that. I'm old enough that back in the day, all the case studies in graduate school were about Starbucks. And again, it was about that end-to-end experience. And so there are always aspirations around the world of QSR because of that and making sure that at some point in my career, I could own it all the way from beginning to end. Imagine a marketing experience so immersive. Millions can enter your store and try your latest drop from wherever they are. That's the power of augmented reality on Snapchat. Over 200 million Snapchatters engage with AR every day on average. And with Snap's full suite of best-in-class AR tools, you can invite them to try your product, step foot into your store, and more while driving real business results. Visit forbusiness.snapchat.com OIS to learn how your brand can tap into the power of Snap AR. Let's talk about French fries and the problem with French fries, because I know your team has a big perspective on that. Absolutely. Let's simply start with cold, soggy fries suck. And that's a universal truth that we can all agree to. And, uh, you know, I think our French fry story and the path to this amazing fry we have out in market right now and the results we're seeing, it all starts with 
what we started this conversation around is being empathetic and listening to the consumer. What problems are we solving for them? And I think we can all agree that you stick your hand into a bag um, at lunch and pull out a great French fry, it can absolutely make your day. And on the flip side of that, if you pull out one that's cold and soggy, it can absolutely blow your lunch and ruin your day. And we spend a lot of time on social and most know us for the clapbacks and all that we do with Roast Day on Twitter as an example. But a big part of what we use social for is listening. And the reality was that, you know, folks were pretty clear and they weren't talking about Wendy's all only. There certainly were plenty of commentary about Wendy's, but just categorically how we as a group weren't doing a great job with fries. And if I'm honest, our number one most important product, aside from hamburgers, clearly we're Wendy's old fashioned hamburgers, but we sell the most fries. And to realize that consumers were challenged with that, it was something that was certainly going on and we were hearing as four or five years ago. And to say, you know what, we're going to listen up. We're going to take the time. We're going to go figure it out. And, and ultimately worked with a supplier partner and went through 40 different iterations of new different fries to say, let's start with the product itself and make sure we have the very best fry out there, work with our operations team to make sure we had the best equipment and had the right procedures to deliver an amazing fry experience and took the time to get it right. And many might've jumped in and said, let's make a quick change and then get it out there. This has literally been a four-year journey and it should because it is the most, one of the most important products that you're going to have. And so to be able to come to that, go through the right testing, ultimately figured out this thing is preferred almost two to one to McDonald's fries, which some do hold up as, or had held up as the category leader related to French fries, and then be able to get out there and tell this story in the way that only Wendy's could, not only through social channels and letting folks you know, know again, hey, we heard you, we got it fixed. They're so good, we're going to guarantee it. But to be able to get out and tell the story in the right way through all of our uh, 360 degree platform. So the reality here is that's what led to fries. It was all about listening to the consumer. My job is to solve consumer problems and a great fry can make a day and a bad fry totally sucks. And we're excited that we got it fixed. And that's what we're out there talking about now. And we're seeing consumers absolutely respond. It's been great to, to check out what's happened in the restaurants over the last uh, month or so. That's awesome. And I could not agree with you more on that. And my, my four-year-old would agree as well. So thank you for fixing <laughs> the fries, Carl. I have to ask you, a 50-year-old brand, take a consumer insight that comes from social, go all the way back to the supply chain, product development. How do you make that happen as a marketer? Yeah. Look, at, at the end of the day for folks, if you're new to a marketing career, thinking about a marketing career, or some of my colleagues that are already chief marketing officers, I think we'd all like agree that that's what marketing is all about. It's first about identifying the core insight of what's going on, the consumer problem to solve, figuring out how you then drive the strategy to go get that done. And it does take a ton of cross-functional collaboration. And that all starts with trust. And so what that can't mean is you roll into an engagement with the ops team and just jump right into, hey, we've got to completely you know, change our fry, talk with R&D, like, it's bringing them along on the journey as well to say, look, we think that there's a problem here. Let's go do the work together to figure out whether or not it's a product challenge, it's an operations challenge, it's a marketing challenge, and identify what we need to actually go solve. And then come together in terms of how we're going to go deliver against it. And our job in the marketing department is ultimately to set that strategy. It's also about bringing people along. And that's probably the biggest aspect of what I do each and every day. It's creating that cross-functional collaboration, help folks understand what we're up to. Because 
inherently marketing is likely going to make life cha more challenging for folks serving one hamburger one size of french fry and one coke would be the easiest thing that we could do in our restaurant each and every day and as we're understanding from the consumer, hey, I want to have a chicken offering. Some days I might want a salad. I'm pretty pumped about getting a Frosty. Like that all creates complexity. And so our job is to balance that complexity with the financial trade-offs and understand the operational impact of those things, along with all the things that we have to ask R&D to go do. Making sure that folks understand the journey you're going on, why you're doing it, and ultimately what the payback of the work is so that everybody... Um, can get on board, but most importantly, be able to be a part of the conversations versus just having something flipped over the fence to say, hey, we just got to go get this done. It's just not how I work. It's not how our teams work. And I think that's why we're as, as successful as we are. I love that. And Wendy's had me when you guys launched the vanilla Frosties. That was epic. And I love them. I want to talk beyond social. So when we think about how Wendy's is able to connect with consumers, not just listen, but engage so authentically, which you guys are known for. Everyone across the board is familiar with that. How do you view social compared to some of your deeper connections, like the partnership you, you did with Twitch at the end of last year with the, sure. with the special delivery to gamers? We talked about our core values. We talked about brand positioning. It all starts there. And if I'm honest, we've had some Fortune 50 companies that we're friends of and aren't competitors reach out to say, hey, this thing you do in social, man, we sure would like to do more of that. Can you help us do it? And my response to most of them, and we've even had some of them bring in their social and digital teams is, please, for the love, don't try to do what Wendy's does. You got to figure out who you are and do your thing. And we've found this space and it makes sense for us. But Trying to do what we do absolutely isn't the right thing for everyone. And again, going back to what matters to us most, fresh, never frozen beef and the fact that delivers on hot and juicy hamburgers. Okay, so let's go back to Fortnite. And for those of you that don't play Fortnite or don't know, first person shooter game, my son Gage plays probably too much Fortnite. Literally Gage told me, a number of the folks on the team are like, you're not going to believe this. Fortnite just added two restaurants into the game. One's a hamburger restaurant, one's a pizza restaurant. And... Then all of a sudden, all of QSR started to like pick team burger or team pizza joint. And everyone just assumed Wendy's was going to pick the burger joint until we figured out that there were freezers in the back. And we're like, well, look, we don't do freezers for our fresh beef. So we're not going to do that. So the teams jumped in, picked an avatar that was had the likeness of Wendy's and just went in and started just all they did was go in the game every single game and killed the freezers. Well, the game developers didn't actually design the game for that to be the game, as you might imagine. And there's a hundred folks that play every time you start one of these Fortnite adventures. And uh, those that play it will probably say, Carl, come on, it's not an adventure. It's a, I don't even know what you call it. But anyway, hundred people jump into the game together. Everyone started going to the burger restaurant to murder freezers together. And to the point that the game developers actually had to change the game because over the course of a week, that's what folks were doing to go play. So was it interesting? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Did we get engagement that was off the chart? hundred percent. But why did it work for Wendy's? Because it was all about who we were. So when the, key, the team came and said, hey, look, this is what we want to go do. You know, this is the investment we're going to have to make, which is literally some consoles in a room so the team can go play. We didn't, you know, pay for it. It was the right thing to do. Go to Twitch. The way that we're engaging in Twitch and became basically one of the biggest influencers and the biggest brand influencer on the platform. But we love partnering with Twitch. And it's been things like creating our own Super Mario World 
level that's all about one of our restaurants that makes the engagement work the right way. And what we don't typically do is go in and buy sponsorship rights or jump in with the next e-gaming team. And that's not because that isn't right for some brands or couldn't make sense or that those platforms aren't big, but we've got to do it the Wendy's way. And that's where we were. But like in, in just our first year, we almost had almost a billion level downloads in Twitch and almost 10 million minutes of watching. Like we're top 1% of all t- Twitch streamers and we're a brand. Wow. So you just think about it. It's interesting. And I think that's what's led to Wendy's being an influencer as much as anything. You know, folks often ask, are you going to go do an influencer meal or what might you go do? And it's like, well, we are the influencer. So I don't know that we need to go pay someone to do that. When Chance the Rapper jumped in and said, please daily affirmations of the day, please, for the love of God, bring back spicy nugs. We didn't pay Chance to go put that out there. He just did. And we were willing to jump in and say, you and about a hundred million other people have been begging us to bring back spicy nugs. Let's go do it. It's the worst thing that can happen. Again, partner with our ops team and said, look, I know this is challenging. It's one more skew in the restaurant, but the fans love this stuff. What do you think? And boy, when we jumped back in, it, it made all the difference, but it was because we had that. We know who we are. We're willing to move really fast. We have the right guardrails around what that means. And there's a lot of trust within our internal teams, our agency partners. And that makes all the difference in the world because there's no way I could approve every single tweet that goes out the door because we're actively engaging with consumers every day. Is there a way that you demonstrate success to your C-suite counterparts or the business when there's nothing really uh, tangible to measure in the moment? How do you do that? I can't give away all of our trade secrets here, (laughs) but, but Hey, look, a couple of things I would point to one. When we launched Breakfast, as an example, we had lines around the building and unbelievable AUVs starting out on Breakfast before I ever ran one single TRP of national media. And that doesn't mean that putting that story on national television doesn't matter. It matters a ton. But there's multiple aspects of our business, Spicy Nugs being the other one. We had lines around the building before we ever got after it with national television. And so it shows that we have a following. It shows that they're paying attention. And gaming is now bigger than music and entertainment combined. So you go, is that a big platform? Hell yeah, it's a huge platform. Right. It's kind of a no-brainer. And and so those are some of the things that I think as marketers, we also need to realize like the world has changed a lot in the last 10 years. And so folks will ask the question, well, how can you prove out that it worked with regard to the launch and what you're doing in those platforms? We have a lot of complex tools that we can leverage to see what's the biggest drivers of the success we've had. And You can also just pause a minute and go, wow, we had a bunch of people show up for the first five days of that thing. And we didn't have anything on national television leading up to it. So let's talk about those results and the impressions that we get. So it's a balance of science and also some art. And I think you got to be willing to to take a look at both of those things, because if you're trying to science and Excel your sheet, you know, and science and, you know, use an Excel spreadsheet yeah. all the way to great success. Like this is your fine arts degree and MBA coming together. Hey, it's um. a, it's a right and left <laughs> brain job. I think back to that and I think I've got a really great balance and, and so do the people on my team in terms of a diverse group of backgrounds, but also how they think. And it's absolutely a right and left brain business. And you got to be able to think that way. You got to be able to talk that way. You got to be able to help others come along that might be much more right or left brained. If you think absolutely. about an engagement you'd have with the ops team, not to pigeonhole someone or a, a conversation that I might have an hour later with our head of creative, they're very different. And you got to find ways to help them understand with where you're trying to go and why it matters and, and those components. So 
I actually think having that kind of a background and a diversity of experiences, whether it be to the person or the team matters probably more than we even realize. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about your team for a little bit. What skills do you look for when you're building up your team and hiring? You know, within the team that I get to have the pleasure of working with each and every day, and they're unbelievable folks. It's a balance of folks that have very strong media backgrounds to folks that actually came into the business in PR and investor relations to folks that you know have a much more traditional brand background, work their way up through insights organization. The diversity that comes through is starts with what folks have worked on in their past and they bring the different components as we sit down as a marketing leadership team and talk through things. And I do listen to them. And I think some folks walk in and they know exactly what their decision is going to be. And I'm probably the opposite. It's my job to make calls, but it's also my job to, to listen to the group. And I do believe in the wisdom of the crowd and, and taking a moment to hear the perspective and uh, across the board. But I've got folks that are really strong storytellers. That matters a ton. Professional empathy and this idea of empathy across the organization to make sure that we're not blowing up a restaurant with our next best idea. It could be amazing. And if we're you know slowing down speed of service or causing folks to quit because we had so many folks show up to the restaurant, that's not really a great recipe for success. And then team matters probably to me more than anything. I don't have time for folks that aren't team players. And there's a lot of mistakes that we can make within the world of marketing and we should make mistakes. And probably the one thing I don't have time for is folks that aren't a part of the team and, and ultimately are in it for themselves. And I think that can become a pretty toxic environment too. So you got to really be mindful of, of that sort of thing. But otherwise it's let's make mistakes. Let's fail fast. Let's figure out what makes a difference. I, I'm curious what advice you have for aspiring CMOs. CMO might be in their future in the next maybe three to five years. My job is to deliver the number each and every day. And what I would say for aspiring CMOs is be mindful of what the expectation is too. So I think we all look to the next level and say, wow, that's amazing stuff. It's a pressure-filled job that has amazing experiences. And I think you just also got to be mindful of what that brings, right? But look, what are some of the things that have made a difference for me along my career? One, I think I've made a, a name for myself and jumping into things that weren't working very well and finding a way to fix them. And whether that be a failing business early on in my career to a brand that was challenged to a project that just couldn't quite get off the ground, it was something I was known for. And leaders, you know, along the way were able to trust me to say, hey, Carl, I got this problem. And are you willing to jump in and the willingness to take on the hard stuff and say, look, I'm, I'm going to go find a way. I think the other piece that matters a lot is finding a way to pick the big stuff that's going to have a huge impact. And we can chase, most of us that end up in a world of a chief marketing officer role, we're talking a you know, multi-billion dollar company in the world of, of Wendy's over $10 billion. The bureaucracy in and of itself of a big corporation can lead to a lot of activity. The key here is picking out the most important things and making sure that you have the capacity to work on those and deliver really well against them. And that also matters a ton. Look, breakfast, as an example, highly incremental to our business. Also, probably the most challenging thing that we had to work through with our franchise organization, because if I'm honest, when we first walked in and said, hey, great idea, everybody, let's get after breakfast. They were like, we've had a couple of kicks at that can and um, we're not super interested. So... <laughs> Again, we had to find a way to not only build out the idea of what it could be, but 
build the way that we were going to engage in it with those folks, with their general managers to help them understand like there's nothing but upside here and let's go do it the right way. So I think those are some of the key aspects of what have mattered for me along the way, but you got to find what works for you. And, you know, I believe marketing is all about identifying consumer problems, finding ways to solve them, and then ultimately letting people know that you have. And this is a great time to talk about my biggest tip for young marketers, which is it has to do with holiday gift giving. If you're a marketer and you're giving gift cards to family members, friends, et cetera, I would implore you to stop. And the reason I say that is that you need to be insightful about people. You need to be spending time getting to know folks. You need to be sitting in a grocery store if you work on a CPG business and just stalking people and watching what their behaviors are. Because certainly there's lots of data and all those components, but you getting that one-to-one engagement with the consumer matters a lot. And there's no one that you should know better than your spouse, your kids, your family members, your best friends, whatever. And don't buy them something off of their list. Don't buy them a gift card that's like, kind of a half-assed way to say, hey, I care about you. And I never get something, and my wife, Kelly, may want to call back into this podcast and give you a different perspective, but I don't ever give her anything off the list. I feel like it's my job to know her better than herself in many ways and show up with something that's going to blow her mind that she never asked for. Because guess what? A consumer is never going to tell you what the next thing is you ought to put on your menu. They're going to give you some hints along the way, but That's what we do. And if we're expecting some focus group to say, oh, the next best thing on the Wendy's breakfast menu should be whatever, it's just not going to happen. And so I think that's something for young marketers to really think about. And that's what's going to make you great. It's about finding the right ways to know who you're engaged with, figure out solutions for them and blow them away. And so that's something that I might suggest for young marketers as they're trying to figure out where they go. I think that's perfect advice. And to all of our listeners, we'll be sure to follow up, say around January, we'll check in with Mrs. Laredo and see what Carl came up with this year and and hold him to it. So update coming soon. Uh Carl, thank you so much for that advice. I think that's fantastic. I have just two more questions for you. I don't want to let you go without asking you this one. What keeps you up at night as a CMO? Ah, It's been uh, it's been quite the ride. And as I mentioned at the onset, I feel like I've probably had 10 years of CMO experience over the course of the last couple. Expectations have never been higher. How about that? And particularly in the world of Wendy's, as an example, a lot of things have shape shifted over the last two years that we certainly had on a plan and knew we were going to get after, but have evolved probably 10 years in two. And digital and delivery is probably the best example of that. In a world where my mom certainly wasn't ordering Uber Eats or picking up the Wendy's app to place her order before she rolled in or walking into a restaurant and using a QR code. By the way, can we just pause for a minute on the fact that QR codes are back and it's like 100% yes. because of COVID? It's pretty fascinating. It is. But, but the idea of that is mainstream now, right? And so the engagement associated with it and the expectations couldn't be higher. Pretty much anywhere you go right now, lines are longer. We've got you know, some challenges with regard to the overall workforce and you know, making sure that folks have jobs that they're passionate about and willing to come in and go to work. And I saw a great easel one day and it said, a lot of people didn't come to work today. Be kind to the ones that are. And so I think those are some of the things that all of us are working through, whether you work in an office building to the likes of working in a restaurant. And so balancing super high expectations from consumers to 
the realities that we're all fighting through. And candidly, folks that have had a really rough couple of years, all those components, like finding ways to continue to, to keep folks motivated and exciting, whether they're one of our great team members at the restaurant, all the way to my team, that certainly is on my mind because yeah. we're in the people business. We're Absolutely. delivering for people outside and we got to make sure we take care of the people inside. So I'd say digital and our people are some of the biggest things that we're having to roll fast on the digital side mm-hmm. and make sure that we think differently about our teams and, and how we're taking care of folks too. Cool. Thank you, Carl. All right, my friend, last question and the most important. I want to know what you would be doing if you were not CMO of Wendy's. You had all the money and talent in the world. What would you be doing? I was actually a water ski jumper in college, believe it or not. I don't know. I I think it'd be pretty cool to be on the the pro tour skiing and jumping every day. I I have a, a passion for the water, love being out each and every day. And it's something that my family spends a lot of time doing together. But uh, yeah, if I wasn't here in the world of Wendy's, I'd be out behind a boat every day um, flying through the air. How about that? That's awesome. Have your kids tried it? They, my kids have not jumped yet, although they are uh, avid water sports uh, enthusiasts. So they certainly are more than willing to jump back there behind the boat and spend some time as a family. And it's great. It's eight hours of captive time with my teenagers yep. and they can't. They can't they escape. Can't escape. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good family uh, experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually about 45 minutes east of Orlando, a big water sports town. And so I grew up doing quite a bit of that. I'm not very good, but I enjoy it. All right, Carl, thank you so much. I very much appreciate the conversation. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.